Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're talking about Ipmon 4 and Cobra Kai 4. We're talking about martial arts and culture and the idea of a champion and that two different styles can prove who's better by a champion fighting. And yes, we promise these two pieces of media do have something in common besides the fact that they are about martial arts and that they both have four in the name. All that more after a commercial break that I, myself... Paul Hoppy, no one in the chat, no one that I know has control over. Someone probably has control over, but we don't know who it is. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host, they, them pronouns. I am Master Paul Christopher Hoppy, also they, them pronouns. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Paul is the not the co-host, the regular guest of these podcasts. He's also the host of the Twitch stream that this is now going out on. We're trying to do... Paul's going to be doing a Twitch stream every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Sacred Time, also known as the Eastern Time Zone, and Mountain Time Zone can kick rocks. Uh, no, if you're yeah, in the mountain literally. Zone, mountain, you know. Hey. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, beautiful things to drive through. And Colorado's nice. I, uh, okay. I, I have a very, very uh, faithful Mountain Time Zone listener, so I feel like we should specify that it is 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay, 6 p.m. Mountain so, Time, the first yeah. time we've ever announced Mountain Time on, yeah. on the air. So, point is, though, we're going to have some Twitch. We're going to try to be a little more organized this time. We're going to have a section of us just discussing things. Then, we're gonna, towards the end, we're going to take the feedback that you all send in and um, respond to it. Uh, we don't have any listener feedback today, but certainly when we do have some, we will uh, put that out there as well. And um, also the, the Twitch chat. So, for now, let's just get started into our topic. And... As I said, the topic is the movie Ipmon 4, the finale, and the fourth season of Cobra Kai. And Paul and I had a great time with uh, Riki Hayashi talking about season, uh, not season one, talking about the first movie. The f- no, no, I'm no, wrong. No, no, we talked about uh, Kenshin with Riki. Thank you, thank you. Who yeah. did we talk about? Do we, was it just you with, and me? With for? each other. It was just the two of okay. us. Yeah. Just the two of us. And we've, and we've done all three seasons of Cobra Kai. Um... I don't know if we were that excited for season four because we had some challenges with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly was not a fan after season three. But when Paul pointed out the connections between this and Ipmon 4, I was like, okay, let's do this. Because um, there are a lot. There's a lot of ways in which these are two fairly distinctly different stories, but they both play with a lot of the same tropes in really interesting ways. And that's what we're going to get into. Um, but... I think it's very possible that a lot of our listeners haven't seen both of them, maybe have only seen one, or maybe haven't seen either. And we're going to talk a lot more about the overall themes. I don't think you need you need to have watched these things, but we are going to spoil them. Um, so let me start, Paul. Actually, let me, let me give a summary of Ipmon 4, and then I'll ask Paul to give a summary of Cobra Kai 4. And again, we're not going to hit all... Don't hit all the plot points, just 30 seconds of the general ideas. Um... Ipmon 4 is uh, our hero. Ipmon is living in Hong Kong. He's getting older. He realizes he has cancer and he's having problems with his son. His son is getting kicked out of school and he thinks that he might try to go to America to try and help his son find a, a school to go to in America. Also, one of his students, Bruce Lee, is getting very popular in America, in San Francisco, and it has invited him to come see an exhibition. So he goes to uh, America. Runs into some problems. Um, 
first of all, the uh, Chinese Benevolent Association of San Francisco, which appears to be made up entirely of martial arts studios, which I thought a little surprising to the rather uh, booming restaurant and laundry and uh, art and many other businesses at the time. Um, but fair enough. Uh, they don't want to support our hero, Ipmon, because they don't like what Bruce Lee is doing in terms of teaching Kung Fu to Westerners and teaching it and teaching it in English and things like that. And so they ask Ipmon to tell him to stop. He's not really interested in doing that. At the same time, we're seeing in a number of different ways the racism that is happening against the Chinese in San Francisco, in the United States. On the one hand, it's happening to a teenage girl. She makes the head cheerleader, and the other cheerleader doesn't like that, and so people attack her in school, and then no one believes her. And at the same time, um, we have another one of our characters is in the U.S. is in the Marines, trying to teach the Marines uh, kung fu, and the superior officers want nothing to do with it. They're very, very racist. Uh, in their racism, they seem to have forgotten that karate is Japanese because they're all about, no, karate is good, kung fu bad. Um, we have a series of fight scenes and a series of twists and turns. Um, but it, it, in the end, it all winds up with Ipmon fighting a number of people who are uh, kind of the, the people representing the Marines and, and proving, therefore, and defeating them all handily and therefore proving that Kung Fu is better than um, karate and so in the eyes of the movie and so therefore getting uh, the Benevolent Association's recommendation for his son to go to school, at which point he decides that having been in America for a while, both because I don't think he's wild about sending his son to America, but also he, th he realizes he wants to reconnect with his son, not send his son across the world. He's going to go back to China. Paul made a number of faces during my reading of that. So, so Paul, faces. do you want to add any editorial comments before we then go into Cobra Kai? I do. Um, Remember one... also that the point isn't the exact details. Uh, yeah, no, I understand. But I, I think they're important details. Um, one is that I think the it is hilarious that the Chinese Benevolent Association is completely made up of martial arts masters. Mm -hmm. um, I do think... It's reasonable to suspect that many of those martial arts masters also have some other business. That's very uh, possible, yeah. Right, this, this, this is very common. Uh, that happens more, I think, in the second and third movies, actually. We see that mm. a lot. However, here, I, I don't think they really talk about it, but it does seem like something that uh, is likely. However, the fact that everyone there is a master is like, Okay, <laughs> how convenient. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's important to note that the teenage girl you're talking about being bullied is the daughter of yes. Master Wan, who's the um, the head of the the CBA, CBA right? And who um, you know, Ipmon is is trying to get a letter of recommendation for his son. And uh, I don't think that the takeaway of the movie is that kung fu is is superior to karate. Um, mm -hmm. I'll 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 try and I, just use the English pronunciations, but um, I I would say that I think that the to the other characters in the movie it has been that has been proven. Yeah, well, let's we'll let, we'll, we'll we'll circle get back that. to that because that's going to be a yeah. big thing, right? Um, yeah, but I, I think that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Like the plot is pretty simple, right? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, straightforward, and um, there's a lot of fight scenes. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways it reminds me a lot of a Marvel movie in that the plot like 
there have been lots of movies where there's just set piece fight scenes and then the dialogue and the acting is the barest of minimums to get you from fight scene to fight scene. I think the best Marvel movies are ones where there is actually a lot of really interesting character work and plot and story and acting and dialogue. But a lot of what it's doing is getting you from set piece fight scene to set piece fight scene. And that's a lot of what happens in Ipmon 4. Yeah, um, where where the, the character scenes are fairly short and there aren't a ton of them. Like if you just outline the plot points, it's not right. some super complex story, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's not real characterization and that the plot isn't something of, of some level of consequence. Right. It does continue a trend from Ipmon 1. I don't know if this happened in Ipmon 2 and 3, but apparently um, people still believe in, in having uh, uh, martial arts battles in the middle of their homes with lots of very fragile things around. Uh, here, uh, both of their um, respective uh, female partners are no longer with us, or at least are not on screen in any way. Uh, so you don't have the scene from Ipmon the first of uh, the wife coming in to be like, what are you doing to my vases? Instead, you just have numerous vases broken until there's an earthquake that breaks even more. But <laughs> yes, they are in San Francisco. <laughs> exactly. So Cobra Kai season four. Tell us about it. Right. Cobra Kai season four, basically Johnny and Danny decide to get together and try and teach uh, Cobra, uh, not Cobra Kai, which is now run by Kreese, and mm -hmm. Kreese recruits this silver guy. Um, it's run by... His name is Terry Silver. This isn't like a, we're now in the X-Men world of silver people. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, they try and get Miyagi-Do students and, is it Eagle Fang? I think. Yes. Yes. Eagle Fang. Um, they try and get them together, and the two of them try teaching uh, together. And, like, then they're going to have a tournament at the end of the, the season, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, it generally doesn't go well, but then it kind of does. And individual students from each of them kind of either learn things from each or kind of pick a side. And uh, I think Robbie is the main champion for... Um, Cobra Kai, mm -hmm. right? And then... Him and Tori. Him and Tori, right? And then yeah. uh, Sam and... Um, Miguel. Mm, I, I would say Miguel isn't the principal. Um, I would say mm. Hawk, right? Okay, is, that's her. Is the... Ends up being the... I mean, there's the whole... Con at, at the end, it's like, oh, is Miguel gonna... Is this gonna be the final? It's like, oh, no. he He's still hurt. Right. I mean, he, he had a life threatening injury at the end of season two, I believe. And so yeah. he's you know, he's not 100 percent. Right. So he recovered in season three, but he's not the same as he was before. And now he's going to go off and try and find his dad or whatever. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, the gist of the season is basically just you've got these two schools trying to work together to teach their students to be able to beat the students of a, a third school, which was originally right. the second school. And it's. Whether these styles and whether these teachers who each have their own teaching style can kind of come together and each share something constructively or whether there's too much conflict there. Right. And, and the only one essential detail I would add is that um, basically we've gotten to the point where there's been uh, quite a lot of violence that has broken away from just being in the martial arts studios or in the tournaments, you know. 
at the end of the last season, people broke into uh, Danny LaRusso's house and attacked his kids. Mm-hmm. And like, there's this huge battle in their home. Lots of stuff was broken. Lots of people are still doing the repercussions of this. Cobra Kai is basically believed to be this like active, dangerous menace to the community. And continually, because we can't ever settle things in any sort of way that would normally be done by people, uh, no one's going to any kind of uh, authority. Well, actually, now calling the police is probably never a good idea. But um, <laughs> yeah. what's decided is that they will settle this in a kung fu tournament. That yeah, karate is, tournament. Ka- karate, sorry, okay. <laughs> I, maybe the distinction between those two as we talk today will be important. Uh, I'm not a martial artist. My apologies. Um, but... But the point being that if uh, Miyagi, Eagle, Doe, Fang can defeat Cobra Kai, then Cobra Kai will close and vice versa. And Mm -hmm. so it's all throughout is this thing of like we have to prove that – because it's not just that they're different people. They all have very different philosophies of how to treat treat karate and also how to treat life, you know, and in in many ways with like – Danny LaRusso being very much on the defensive and like, you know, wait until you are provoked. I'll let the other person strike first. Cobra Kai is always strike first, you know, strike first, no mercy. And Eagle Fang is kind of in the middle where it's kind of, I tell you, it's like closer to the um, Cobra Kai side, but still in the like strike first when it is appropriate to do so. You know, basically, like, strike first without being a jerk. Um, yeah, it's Johnny's club, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's Johnny's dojo, if you will, although they don't really have a dojo. And his yeah. philosophy is do Cobra Kai stuff, except maybe try to not be awful all the time. Yeah, but, like, like still... Like- but maybe. I don't know. When your opponent agrees to a fight, strike first, strike aggressive. Right, know? right, exactly. But don't go around bullying people all the time. Right. Of your own. Yeah. And, and and there's a lot of stuff in Cobra Kai, and we'll, we'll get into this actually as we go on, but um, it is still about high schoolers and high schools bullying each other and now younger generations bullying each other, and a lot of it being, continuing on some of the themes I think that have continued from the past is that... I think that the the martial artists from all three of these schools are now trapped in a cycle of bullying where, you know, we can argue about who started it. I I do think that's kind of a fairly clear question or who's primarily driving it. But now the people who have gotten attacked, who are even that Miyagi-Do, they're bullying kids who have, you know, Cobra Kai shirts and round and round and round we go. Yeah, who's one of them? Oh, yeah, there's there's a a kid who becomes... Um, who gets bullied and then becomes a bully. And there's yeah. a lot of subplots. And um, I actually felt like there was a fair amount of good stuff in season mm-hmm. four with, you know, the regular dose of like, oh, this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would say at this point, I think season three is the worst. I do think season four was better than season three. Mm-hmm. Um, it had like to me, season one was fantastic. And it's all been a little bit downhill from there. Um but season two, though, I thought was also quite good. But we're not here to do reviews of it. We're here to talk about the similarities of it. Although you'll hear Paul and I kind of half remembering because Cobra Kai 4 wasn't good enough that we were like, all right, we're going to rewatch it the night before. Yeah, <laughs> well, I just rewatched it on 4 and enjoyed it again. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, I've got some comments about the writing, uh, particularly mm-hmm. the, the English language writing, because there's a fair yeah. amount of that, which I, I think is probably not quite as much geared towards sounding like people really talk as mm-hmm. um, some of the, the Chinese. But um, the, there's a black character who is like, 
this feels like it was written by someone who's mostly watched black exploitation movies because he's like just very like oh my gosh yeah like super exuberant super excited about everything super unaware of surroundings but we'll, we'll do some kind of like review stuff at the end yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. In comments yeah. let's just start though um because paul you were the one who suggested this what are what are kind of some of the similarities you see between the two right so at, at their essence i feel like each is about I mean, okay, Imman 4 has a lot to say about, um, uh, you know, racism and, mm-hmm. and culture and, you know, countries and, and stuff like that. But in terms of really the, the essence of the story, aside from that, that would maybe be more of a theme. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I would say they're both about various different martial arts styles and the idea of, you know, teaching people these styles and kind of who should be taught, what should people be taught, how should they be taught, and whether, you know, not even whether, like largely based on the premise that one person can essentially represent a style and that the, you know, the fighting between, you know, the showdown between two people who are trained in different styles can tell you something about like which style is better. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting similarity, even though it also plays out somewhat differently. In Cobra Kai, you're constantly hearing about the the, the actual de- what makes the styles different, and a lot of that has to do with like are they more aggressive, are they more defensive, are they more reactive, and they're proactive. But there's some other aspects to it as well. In Ipmon, now you may have seen this because I, but I I don't know enough about martial arts to see it. It felt like. There was very little, like, here's why karate is better, here's why kung fu is better. It was much more like karate is the thing that Americans do, and Americans are better. And you Chinese with your kung fu are, you know, less lesser than and and all the kind of racist terms they use for them. Um, and I, I actually pointed out the first time I watched this that I did think it was kind of odd that the Americans were sort of, you know, being very virulently anti-Asian while embracing karate, right. but also this is like in the time when basically there was basically American colonialism happening in Japan and that like, yeah. you know, Americans had conquered Japan within a lot of people's memory. It was only 20, like 19 years after uh, the end of World War II. And I think karate at that point was kind of seen as like, okay, well, we Americans have colonized it and taken it over. Um, and I don't know, at least, at least as I, I heard, it was much more about like the battle between the cultures than it was about like karate involved more of this style and kung fu does this and that's why kung fu is better or something like that well so it's funny so first of all i think your point about colonialization and the end of world war ii and that japan was not literally a u.s colony but you know treated as such in some ways this is set in 1964 right so also you know during the the height of the civil rights movement um and uh, there's also some racism towards black folks as well in the, you know, mm-hmm. um, they, they don't go quite super over the top with it, which I think mm-hmm. is maybe for the best. But uh, but they do show that, you know, the the gunnery sergeant who's like the main villain, the the, the top mm-hmm. antagonist um, is is clearly he's like, I'm not racist. And it's like, mm. You know, when you say that, it's rarely yeah. a true statement. Like, <laughs> if it's true, like, you probably just don't have to go around saying it all the time. But, like, I, I think, you know, also, like, 
China was, you know, just communist China during the right. the height of the Cold War as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, I think the perception of these different martial arts is it's interesting because, like, well, they're you know they they both come from Asia. Like, if you're gonna, if you're going to be racist about it, you know, it's like uh, mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little goofy, right? But I do think also there's this thing um, in Cobra Kai at some point someone refers to it as American karate. You know, yeah, it's and, very much a uh, crease, either crease or Terry. Silver. Yeah, yeah, one of them. Um, or earlier on, uh, it might have even been Johnny or like one of one of the other when he goes on the outing with uh, Cobra Kai with like the the guys from before. Oh yeah, that's right. But but somebody refers to it as that, and and like that is a thing, right? Like the, mm-hmm. it did get very Americanized, and um, that's not to say that there's not Japanese karate, and that that American karate isn't also Japanese. But you know, it's right. there's some complexity there, right? But but yeah, it it does feel quite sort of silly that um, that they. You know, that that this person has this viewpoint. Right. And I will say, you know, as a martial artist, um, that's something that I see, though. And it's not always associated with this, like, very overt racism or anything. But there is something um, amongst uh, practitioners of karate, of of taekwondo, of of, like various martial arts, maybe like jujitsu, that like kung fu is like not super practical, that it's more Mm. of sort of like this. Um, like Aikido gets that reputa- rep, uh, reputation as well, right? This is a thing oh, that does exist in, in martial arts is the idea like, you know, um, like judo is like the way, right? And like right. jujitsu is like the skill. It's like it's supposed to be more um, more kind of practical in theory, right? Mm. But all of these okay. things are like in theory. And we can talk about how actually practical things are compared to and that's very interesting because one of the things that they do say is that the the, the Marines argument, while couched in a huge amount of racism, yeah. is karate is useful in combat situations, kung fu is not. Right. And I think if you don't know that history, it's very like, – or at least, well, at least I did. I came away thinking that it was just because they were like – Chinese are dumb and kung fu is Chinese, so we're not even going to think that it could be useful. Right. But it is interesting to hear that that like there is some, at least there's some martial arts backing to that stereotype they have about uh, kung fu, even if it's also couched in an awful lot of racism. Right. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not like co-signing the idea that one is practically useful and another one's not. I'm saying that that is something that can exist as an opinion outside of the very specifically racist take that this, right. you know, gunnery sergeant has. Um, what was... what, and one, one thing I, I also thought was interesting, I guess this is more of the movie stuff, but we'll get get back to the, the, the champion idea. But I did think it was worth pointing out also is that. I think it's interesting that the first movie is very much about Ip Man while China is under the occupation of the Japanese army and while dealing with that problem. And it's very much about like, you know, Chinese fighting for independence through this karate through this karate versus kung fu match. And I think it's interesting that that's the beginning. This is the finale. This is the end. And now it's against Americans, to be sure. Um, But it is once again, kung fu against karate. Yeah, you know, the circle is now complete and all that. Uh, (laughs) You know, the second one is like Kung Fu against Western boxing, you know, an English boxer. And the third one is more like Kung Fu versus Kung Fu um, Mm -hmm. and like different styles. Like my Kung Fu is better than yours, kind of. Um, I will say that I think it's interesting that 
I feel like Ip Man does a good job of showing the difference between the styles. Mm-hmm. You know, and and granted, like I don't know all the styles super well. Uh, I've never practiced any kung fu aside from you know I've done tai chi, and the the one the the um, the head of the benevolent association mm-hmm. is a is a tai chi master, right? And it's there there is a difference in the styles and um, the you know the karate practiced uh, the one guy what's his name um, Colin Freighter he's the um, the like second in command, basically. Right. He's a, a he says he's a fourth don in um, Kyokutan, which I know Kyokushin, which is this very brutal, very sort of intended to be a very realistic, harsh, you know, direct striking method of karate. Um, there are different types, right? right. Whereas Wing Chun I- is designed to be able to be used by a smaller individual against a larger individual, mm-hmm. and you can see the difference in the styles. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know enough to notice these things, but I did, like, I watched Ip Man and then immediately after watched a couple episodes of Cobra Kai, and I was like, the style that Co- Colin is using is pretty similar to, to Cobra Kai. Right, like, yeah. Like, there's definitely some, like, similarities there. Also, just a quick thing worth pointing out, I don't think it's ever mentioned, but Colin looked to me like he was at least part Asian. Um, I'm guessing oh. part Japanese. Um I think that was supposed to be the implication is that he was kind of helping to teach everybody karate because he might have known it more that way. But I'm not sure about that. That Yeah, that definitely wasn't um, something that I, I caught on to. But uh, mm. I I will say that in, um, in Cobra Kai, while the style – I mean, I did, I think, when we covered it first, I said it, it looks – it reminds me a little bit of, like, Kyokushin. Um, and I, I think maybe they, they even said that somewhere. Someone was talking about that. But um, – it, it they talk a lot about the difference in styles, right. you know, in in Cobra Kai, but they don't show it in the same way. I right. feel because the, just the level of martial arts is just this is a martial arts film with martial arts experts, in, mm-hmm. both in performing roles and in production roles. Cobra Kai is a, a high school soap opera with. You know, with martial arts as sort of yeah. um, like a, a a visual feature, basically. Yeah, I think there are times when they're specifically calling it out, and so you see it. I think this season actually shows it more than all the others have, especially because one of the sort of primary things that happens in the season. And we'll get into this as a topic: is that Sam, the daughter of Larusso, is able to kind of like blend the two styles and like chooses to like switch from one to the other in the middle of a match, and it's fairly noticeable when she does. But yeah, I think it is much more noticeable in in the in the movie. Um, For sure. So let's talk about this idea of because I think one of the, one of the ideas that definitely comes up is this sort of thing of like if the best of my style or my school can beat the best of your style or school, then that means mine is better. And this is something that actually we talked a little bit about when we talked about Ipmon One, but you you had said we should hold off to to talk on it till this episode. But I wish I think you were right about. But you remember in episode one, it starts out with. Um, all these different people from these different schools wanting to to challenge each other and these people who are new to town coming in in 1930s Japan in China and wanting to say like look our style is better because our champion can beat your champion what you know as someone who's both run a uh, a uh, martial arts school and also obviously has a lot of thoughts on this how, how do you view this idea of like 
It, it feels almost kind of like, you know, Greco-Roman warfare, you know, where it's like your champion will fight my champion. And if our champion wins, then your army surrenders and vice versa. Um, there, at least, it's just a who wins the battle. Here, it's really like we will prove that our way is dominant. Right. So I think it's something that on the surface might seem fairly ridiculous to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Right. And I, I think... Obviously, the idea that, like, oh, whoever's the best, then however they became the best is clearly the best way, right? Right. I think there's an element of ridiculousness to that statement. Um, I think, I mean, <laughs> Bruce Lee is in this movie, right? I mean, the character mm-hmm. is. Um, I, I think Bruce Lee had it right when he was basically like, my style isn't even a style at all. You know, the idea is, like, you, you do whatever works, right? Um, right? And you can take things from, from all styles to, to make your own, and then you just, you just do what's natural. I do think that there is, though, some element of truth in, like, the idea behind the sort of champion representing a style, I think, mm-hmm. is that... Um, that basically it's less about the individual and their natural mm-hmm. talents and, you know, their physical characteristics. And it's more about um, the training, right? It's more about right. the effort they put in and how that effort is directed uh, sort of by their teachers. And I do think if you take two fairly, you know, physically similar people and they both put in the same number of hours um, and one person receives one kind of training and another receives another kind of training, like there's a really good chance that one of them will be substantially better at whatever the thing is because Mm -hmm. they received a more efficient, more effective manner of training. Right. Right. And so I do think there's, there's like a, a core of merit at the center of the idea, which is like the right. way of teaching matters, right? And right. what you teach, right? What you teach right. and how you teach it and who's teaching it. I think all of that matters and that's important. I do think that, you know, the idea that one person beating up another person conclusively proves anything is absurd. Yeah. Well, I appreciate also the way you talked about it being like the difference between not just the style, but also the way you teach the style. Because like, yeah, like to me, like if one school, the person's like, okay, cool, we're going to exercise you all the time and teach these things. And the other school is like, cool, come here for an hour a day, learn these kicks, learn these punches, then go smoke and eat whatever the hell you want. Like, yeah, one of those is going to be a lot better. And that's not going to have anything much to do. And I'm saying that, like, clearly I think it's, it's a mixture of both. But, you know, that could be, like, also, you know, the – the. so, yeah, I, what, what I'm hearing, at least we're saying, is that, like, the style matters. And so there is some some weight to that idea, but also that everything else about how it's taught is, is really important as well. Y- yeah, although I, I wouldn't um... – Make that a distinction. I would say that the techniques of the style uh, are not everything, but the manner in which something is taught, that is the style. That is part of the martial art, right? Right. And I mean, granted, different teachers are different from one another, but and you could say that each teacher almost like teaches their own sub-style in a way, right? But like... but yeah, the the manner of training, that is part of the style itself. The style isn't just like, you know, a compendium of techniques, right? It's right. it's this uh, holistic manner of 
become like being a martial artist isn't just like doing kicks and punches right it's there's right. there's a whole thing there right. basically and so so yeah i would call kind of all of that the style right one part of what i was thinking about though there also is that like you know at least in ipmon you have one group of people who are literally they're the marines they are what they are supposed to do every day is train and work out and yeah. focus. Yeah. And then you have this other group who, you know, they're raising families and they're running schools and, like, maybe they're running other businesses. And, and like, yeah, they're probably putting in a lot of time into their martial arts, but it's not – they're not dealing with the same physical regimen as, as the military is. Or at least they may not be. Um, yeah, for okay. sure. I mean, when, when first um – Staff Sergeant Hartman, who's the the Marine, you know, the Chinese American Marine. I think he's Chinese American. It's not like super clear. He's referred to that way, but actually, yeah, I think he talks to Man in um, mm-hmm. in Chinese, right? But uh, but so he when he goes and he's like, you know, um, I think we should do Wing Chun, right? I think we yeah. should do Kung Fu. Um, the which Wing Chun is Bruce Lee's sort of no style style, right? No, that's that's Jeet Kune Do. Um, Wing Chun is is Ip Man's style. Oh, okay, that he Got taught it. to Bruce Lee, and then Bruce Lee gradually evolved his own uh, style, Got Jeet it. Kune Do, which is the no style style, basically. Right. Um, and this was like just before he did that, right? right. Like, so he presumably already. Um, like developed that a large amount in his mind, but it was like mm-hmm. right around this time that then he was like, okay, I'm going to call it this. I'm going to call it Jeet Kune Do instead of uh, Jun Fan Kung Fu. Um, okay. So, but anyway, when when the gunnery sergeant, he's like, well, if you can beat, you know, my he calls him a karate coach, which like is so irksome. Um, yeah. But like, coach is coach just isn't the word. Um, yeah. I don't even think that guy would necessarily use the word coach. I think he would say instructor, but whatever. But if he's like, if you can beat my fourth Don, who's a master of the style of karate, that'll prove that you, who says you've spent a few months training in Kung Fu, <laughs> like, that is the most ridiculous, lopsided, you know, right. like, it's like, of uh, no, that's not, you know, that's ridiculous. And one thing you should note here, we're talking all about the Marines being so dedicated to karate, this should bring it all full circle. One thing that this season really reminds us of is that Kreese and Silver, the people who were running Cobra Kai, were both Marines right. in, like, about four or five years after Ip Man was set. So, like, yeah, yeah, I think the idea that, like, the karate, like, the karate that is taught in Ip Man 4 is the same kind of karate that the people who founded Cobra Kai would have learned. So, yeah, that all exactly. kind of makes sense. So, I think, yeah, that, I get the idea of champions. It does still seem kind of ridiculous to me, but also like, it can make some sense. Um, but let's kind of just go deeper, too, because so much of where this comes from is this idea that there always is it's going to be this kind of rivalry, you know? And this is back to Ipmon 1 is, like, this idea of, like, we have to know what is the best, you know? Like, there's going to be 14 schools, but still there's always this rivalry. I can't have someone else be better. I can't have someone think that I'm, you know, not as good. Sometimes someone doesn't want to fight Ipmon because then if they lose, you know, then they can't have their school anymore. Right. And certainly in, like... One of the things I like about Romeo and Juliet is like, or I like about some, I promise this is going to be connected. <laughs> I like some versions of Romeo and Juliet when they make clear that these are idiot teenagers who we're dealing with. Because the right, whole thing right. is supposed, this is not like how like people in their 20s and 30s should treat love. Many of them do. Um, but like the whole point is, this is what dumb teenagers do. And like in some ways I find, therefore, the, 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 the connection I'm making here is that I find 
the rivalries among teenagers in Cobra Kai very believable mm. because they're dumb teenagers because the hormones are all going crazy and there is some like this person's dated that person but now is dating this person or these people are friends and now aren't friends it's all like I don't think I, I think it's all like taking a normal teenage story and dialing it up to 11 um, or even 15 but it's it's definitely you know makes sense for me, like when it becomes trained adults, uh, you know, with professions and stuff like that, who are so into this, I'm sort of like, what? Why is this so important? What What is the role of these kind of rivalries in martial arts? I mean, is it just ego? Is it about that there's something important of like, just my business reputation does better if people think mine is better? Is there something inherent inherent to martial arts about wanting to prove that your style is better? Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely realistic. I'll start okay. with that. This is not some fanciful take, right? However, at the same time, this doesn't represent all of martial arts, right? It's not like right. all martial artists are constantly, my school's better than your school's. This is the only way. But, like, if you sit in a room with ten martial artists, five of them will be arguing over this kind of stuff, you know? Interesting. Uh, okay. And teachers will have rivalries and stop talking to each other and <laughs> about, like, the pettiest stuff. Like, and I, I think it is because there is a certain amount of, you know, at its root, there's... It's about physical competition, right? And it's really hard to set aside the ego there. And, I mean, it's like in poker, too, right? Poker is this competition. It's any kind of sport, right? I mean, you see that with, like, adult sports, right? Like, professional athletes. Like, Mm -hmm. you see a lot of stuff that seems like nonsense. Granted, I'm not convinced that, like, in the business world or in Mm. whatever office place culture, like, you don't have a lot of similar stuff going on that's just not as sort of literal and overt, right? Yeah, I I think... But yeah, these stupid things that corporate titans have done because they wanted to beat each other, um, I mean, you you can argue, I think, with some degree of merit that one of the major causes of World War One was the naval arms race between Germany and Great Britain, which started, it is well documented that Kaiser Wilhelm needed to have a better navy than his cousin, King George, hmm. because King George had like sunk all of his ships when they were kids playing in Queen Victoria's backyard. Like, so yes, these rivalries come out all the time, all the places. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I would say that a large amount of martial arts philosophy is about overcoming this, right? Mm. And people do this with varying degrees of success. You know, I've right. I've seen teachers who are very fixated on my way's the best way. You know, you have to do it this way. Oh, that other thing is crap. And others right. who have a much more sort of like laid back like oh well you know we're going to do it this way because this is how we do it but you know there's other ways and um much kind of less dogmatic and more you know sort of almost sort of like what you know you picture like a a zen master kind of you know not necessarily always going to give you a straight answer but Mm -hmm. certainly also not going to kind of engage in this kind of sort of pettiness you know right um but yeah just also in terms of businesses like if you have a business or your goal is to get a bunch of students like, I don't know. Do you want to learn from somebody who's a champion or do you want to learn from someone you just saw get kicked in the face? Like, you know, yeah. maybe you specifically, that's not a big factor. But for a lot of people, it could be, you know. If you want evidence of this, check out the Wendy's Twitter account because they are dunking yeah. on other corporate t- Twitter accounts all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. 
Yeah. And that makes sense. I think that does make sense. And I think one thing I like about Cobra Kai is that on the one hand, there are these rivalries between the kids, but I think one of the things that is in some ways the most tragic about the show and the most upsetting, although it's played more for comedy, which is probably better or else it'd be really horrific, <laughs> is that a lot of it is these adults having these rivalries, many of which, kind of like Kaiser Wilhelm I was saying before, were rivalries that they had from when they were kids. Because right. like, all of this is still about, like, you know, Danny LaRusso and uh, Johnny. Uh, I can't remember his last name. <laughs> I always want to say, I want to say Johnny Storm. But yeah, Johnny Five. Um, <laughs> Johnny and Danny have this rivalry from when they were kids. And Kreese still has these feelings in part because Mr. Miyagi kicked his ass. And so he needs to, like, have his kids fight the other kids through his, like, the things that are done to teenagers to satisfy the egos of these various men is just pretty horrible. Um, but I think that, that it, it tracks that that's, you know, maybe in martial arts schools, it's a little bit more above board. Uh, at least they're all adults. Yeah, yeah, well, not necessarily. I mean, well, okay. You know, I mean, in the in the Ipmon movies, at least, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like a proxy war, basically right. waged by the students. You know, um, it's Johnny Lawrence. Is the, Johnny Lawrence, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, and let me just kind of ask this, because I would think that, at least, if you have people who can step back a little bit from their egos, if you took ten people of ten very different body shapes, you know, but they're all in like relatively good shape, you know, you might be like, okay. You have very long legs. You should probably do the martial art that's going to really focus on kicking. Taekwondo. And like you, yeah. And like you are, you know, you've got like very strong arms. Maybe you're going to do more punching, or like yeah. you're very quick. And so you should do something that's more defensive and dodging. Like, do, do you think though that w- like because the way you're talking, it sounds like a lot of people are like no, any body style, any any sort of type of person is going to do better in my style than anyone else's. Or is there do you think some recognition of like. Yeah, different styles, and also for, like, what you want to do with it, you know? This one's better more as, like, score a point, whereas this one might be better for, like, win a street fight kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I chose Taekwondo largely because, I mean, I had done it a little bit when I was younger, but, like, when I decided to go back to it and and be serious about it, I was like, well, I'm six feet tall. I actually grew while while doing Taekwondo. I got to be 6'1". But uh, I was 6 feet tall, and I was like 130 pounds, you know? (laughs) So I was like, well, kicking people in the head sounds good, you know? And I was very flexible. So it was was just like the right martial art for my body type in a lot of ways, right? Right. Um, Which isn't to say like, well, maybe I could have done a different martial art and like filled out more quickly or something. But yeah, there's like... In terms of competition, especially, you know, like Mm -hmm. sumo probably wasn't going to be the martial art for me, (laughs) right? Like if you have a low center of gravity, something like any kind of wrestling might make more sense, right? Right. Um, And yeah, having more upper body – like if you're a boxer, you probably – you know, you want quickness, right? You want stamina, but you also want uh, to be able to punch hard, right? You don't want spaghetti arms. Like that's probably not going to work out that well. Um, Although if your goal is to build more upper body strength, maybe then something like boxing or – or some other martial art that's more upper body intensive, maybe then that does make sense, right? So I do think that different martial arts can be more well-suited to different body types. Um, But at the end of the day, I think anyone can learn multiple styles, maybe start with one, see, find one that's appealing to you. But like, I think styles can be very complementary to one another. You know, my teacher was a a Taekwondo teacher, and still is, and... 
was often extolling the virtues of Taekwondo, particularly traditional Taekwondo, compared to this like World Tra- uh, World Taekwondo Federation. I think they mm-hmm. changed it to just World Taekwondo because WTF uh, was their initials. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. That's a problem. Um, and yet he started off doing um, Hapkido, you know, which is the, mm-hmm. the grappling. It's it's. It's the sort of like the Korean jujitsu in a, a little bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. And would teach us those. And in fact, um, the uh, what's his name? The uh, the second in command guy put someone in one of these wrist locks. I'm like, oh, I learned that in Taekwondo, but doing Hapkido, really. You know, it's a particular yeah. wrist lock. But that type of technique can translate across. You know, that might exist in a number of different martial arts. But right. usually, yeah, you probably do want to learn some striking, some grappling, and maybe you're like, well, I'm going to be primarily a striker, right? But then I'm going to study some Krav Maga. So if somebody gets in close and grabs me, I know how to get out of the grab and then transition to where I can hit them with the things right. I've already studied, right? Yeah. And like so. I'd assume for I know Bruce Lee was an amazing fighter and I'm sure that his style of of kung fu was very very good for competition. I'm guessing though it also looked really good. Like, you know, since he is someone who is doing a lot of like a kung fu movies and stuff like that, like that some of his style is also to be more cinematic or, you know, look better maybe look flashy or something like that. I I'm I'm I, guessing there, but like I would so, think that there's some element to that. So actually, no. Um, okay. Like, I mean, so so he learned martial arts, right? As a martial artist, mm-hmm. went into film, became an actor. Um, his style is actually very simple. Like, mm. compared to a lot of cinematic fighters, he did a lot more basic techniques a lot of the time. Um, right. But he did them so well. He was so quick. And he had so much charisma Right and personality mm-hmm. when when he was acting and when, when he was fighting acting right yeah um, but like he was definitely not like a dancer pretending to be to do martial arts and like oh the, no no what, I wouldn't think that for the second yeah you know? no I know but but there are I mean that's a thing right, right. yeah and those people often are going to do things that actually look flashier and Bruce Lee's more like I'm just going to throw a simple back fist to the head you know like quick jab mm-hmm. jab and like. Like, his kicks were generally simpler than a lot of the really flashy stuff you see, you know? Mm, I, I don't know if he ever jumped up and did a, a scissor kick or, like, a split kick, you know, in a movie. Mm. Like, I'm, um, I mean, Brendan Lee did, you know? He did. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Lee. Uh, he, did, he did more kind of oriented at flashiness and stuff. And because uh, I think, you know, he was at an earlier age deciding to kind of go in that direction. Um, right. But, yeah, I w- that would be a reasonable expectation. But, um, yeah. but he... He definitely was much more like I'm going to do something that actually is very practical and just make it look right. really good. Yeah. Well, and let's talk more about Bruce Lee because one of the kind of interesting side, one of the things that I both really enjoyed about Ipmon, but also found frustrating, was there were so many side plots, and a lot of them were connected to each other. But because of that, we never really got to develop any of them. Yeah. Um, or at least not, except for the main ones. But as as we said, one of the things that happens is that the the other martial artists in San Francisco are very unhappy with Bruce Lee because he's teaching. Um, Kung Fu to Westerners and to Americans. And this is rooted somewhat in like the way, the awful ways the Americans are treating them. And so they don't want to be nice to the Americans. And and there's a whole thing we can get into with that. We'll get in, we will get into with that in a, in a second. Um, but just, and just start with there. Like what's kind of your thoughts on that part of the story of, cause I know this is, this is based in truth. Like this actually happened yeah, that yeah. Bruce Lee was the one who was like, yeah, let's teach the world about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of uh, Kung Fu masters didn't like that. 
Yeah, there was there was a duel. Like someone challenged him and was like, "You can't do this," and and they fought, and Bruce Lee won, <laughs> and so he kept teaching. Did, like, did he agree that like he would stop teaching if he lost this fight? I I, I don't know all the details, <laughs> okay. but like I think that was basically the gist of it. But he was like, "I'm not going to lose. I'm the best. I'm the goat." Right. You know. Um. There's a movie specifically about that fight. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and it, and I imagine it took place around this time. I'm not sure, but um. But yeah, the so first of all, Bruce Lee, born in San Francisco, um, grew up in China. I think I think in Hong Kong, right? Um, and was I, I think a quarter German. So okay. <laughs> it's interesting that they don't like reference that at all. And I'm not sure how much um, that was a big thing. And like maybe that's somewhat disputed. Like who is actual, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think maternal grandfather. I'm not sure. Right. But, um, but like, he was just basically like, yeah, we should share this with everybody. You know, it doesn't belong to a person. It doesn't belong mm-hmm. to a culture. It's, it's like bigger than that, you know? And, um, and within the, the context of the, the story of, of Itman 4, um, he's basically like, we should show people kind of like what we're about, you know? Right. And and through this kind of cultural interchange, essentially, um, you know, improve people's opinions of, of mm-hmm. you know, the Chinese and whatever. Um, and, you know, the, to the extent to which that works, I don't know. Like, probably. Right. You know, I think a lot of the time, um, famili- I mean, you know, people say familiarity breeds contempt, but I, I think ignorance... Uh, often breeds more contempt, right? Yeah. And this was something we talked about on a uh, recent episode of the, uh, this podcast that Paul wasn't on. But in, one of the things that I thought was so powerful about Ms. Marvel was how much it kind of like demystified parts of the Muslim experience, particularly mm. life in a mosque, you know, right. in ways that like just I, I had never seen that before, you know, and seeing like ways in which it's like, yeah, actually – in terms of kind of the cliques that form and the politics of the the congregation, like this is pretty similar to like churches and synagogues and other religious gatherings I've been a part of. So yeah, I definitely think that that's a, a theme, and I think that's something that it would make a lot of sense that, that Bruce Lee would have that perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I mean, he was someone who who worked in Hong Kong. He worked in in L.A. You know, he he mm-hmm. lived in San Francisco for a time, and you know, aside from being born there, and uh, you know, I think. You know, sometimes there are people who can kind of sort of bridge cultures in a way, you know, and kind of bring people together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I just I think that's a very valuable thing to do. And I think there was an idea, you know, expressed by um, Master Wan in this and, and by others in reality of like, well, don't you know, don't teach them how to fight. They'll use it against us. And it's like, right. Maybe. Like, yeah, maybe, yeah. you know. But on the other hand, it's like I, I feel like Bruce Lee teaching Taekwondo being like, this is something uh, that's part of me, right? I mean, I, right. I don't even want to say that is mine. It's like it's part of me, right? It's something I've learned mm-hmm. and internalized, and I want to share it with people, right? And I don't yeah. care where they were born. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care what they look like. I want to share it with anybody who's willing to come to me with, you know, an open mind and right. to accept this as I want to, to share it, right? And I think that's very different from, you know, maybe um, post-war Japan, um, you know, like the American military occupying and being like, we want to 
take karate. Right. We don't want to extract it, right? And right. I don't know exactly how all of that went. I'm not saying that it was a particular way, but I, I do think there's, um, you know, there's some difference between like someone sharing something and then someone like taking something. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, cultural pro- like cultural appropriation. I think are the words that can often be used for that kind of a thing, and like. Um, that's a more modern concept than, but I was thinking about those words when you were talking yeah, about that yeah. because I, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that I think we're supposed to think that the people who don't want, who don't like Bruce Lee and thus don't like Ipmon, that they're wrong, but also it shows them as being very justified in those feelings, you know? And like uh, Master Wan specifically, like he doesn't want his daughter to speak English in their house. Right. He doesn't want, um, he's very upset that she wants to be a cheerleader because instead of studying Tai Chi because, it, you know, it, it's that kind of like, I don't want you to assimilate. And in many ways, I, I mean, a, there's a couple of really powerful scenes where some of the older Chinese are talking about, like, you know, one says, my grandfather built the railroads. You know, they've never acknowledged yeah. it. And um, Paul and I did a uh, an episode on the TV show um, Warrior, which is a wonderful TV show. I think we did two episodes on it on different seasons. It's a, it's a wonderful show. I strongly recommend it. Um, but it's about, you know, Chinese at kind of turn of the century and how awful they were treated. And most of the people in San Francisco for this movie are probably the grandchildren of those people, you know, like that. And and what happened with the karate, I think, is a perfect illustration of like either they're going to use it against us or kind of with the railroads, they're never going to give us the credit. Because by the time what the Americans are doing with karate, like they're never mentioning that it's Japanese. They're being horrifically anti-Asian racist while saying like, you know, karate is an American thing, like that's the definition of cultural appropriation, you know? It's like you've cut it off entirely from Japan and just claimed it as your own. And I can understand being like, I don't want that to happen to parts of my Chinese culture and things like that. And like, I, I think the movie pretty clearly has the perspective, and I think I agree with it, of like, you have to let that go, but it also shows why, where it comes from and why. And I, I thought it was very, I thought that was one of the things I liked most about the movie. Yeah. I mean, for all the kind of lack of subtlety in some of the dialogue and mm-hmm. some things feeling like a little bit on the nose, like the the sort of INS raid and stuff, although at the same time, it's like, well, that kind of is still horrible and ongoing. Um, yeah. I do think that it, it does really get this point right in that it shows, you know, it shows a variety of perspectives and it shows some of those perspectives to be very understandable, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. specifically the perspective of Master Wan and the perspective of, of Bruce Lee and, you know, Ipman as well. Um, I, I, I find the, the, the term cultural appropriation um, a little bit of a, a minefield in some ways because I feel mm-hmm. like the way it's often used um, is often not in a way to distinguish between... Um, sort of the voluntary sharing of culture, um, you know, the accepting of shared knowledge and ideas um, and like cuisine and whatever. And the, you know, basically going and grabbing. Um, And I I do think that there is a very, you know, very legitimate problem with a lot of things that are get yeah. sorted under that banner, right? As basically what you're mm-hmm. just talking about. Um, but at the same time, like, I I don't believe that culture 
or like ideas really belong to people or peoples. Right. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way anything works. I don't think it's the way anything should work. And I think often there is a lot of bigotry involved in the wanting to kind of say, no, this is mine or this is ours and you can't mm-hmm. do whatever right. it is, you know, and and, um, you know, I find that not particularly better. Um, it's you know, it's not the same. It obviously like how much power any individual or group has. Here, um, you're saying between bigotry from racism, right? S- sort of. Yes. Was, in, in which I also it's not better. Yeah, yeah com- compared to structural racism anyway. Um, right. And I, I think, you know, there's like we can have long-winded semantic um, discussions mm-hmm. over yeah. some of these terms and the way that they're used by individuals, institutions, and whatever. Um, I'm certainly I, – I don't agree with most people, I think. And by most people, I mean like – most people like on here and here and here and here. But I do think that at the, at the root of it, um, you know, like basically exploiting people and like taking their stuff is bad. Right. And whereas having um, consensual exchange of ideas is good. Like, you know, and I think sometimes both of those get called appropriation and really Mm -hmm. only one of them I think is bad. And so like, if we want to just call that, that cool. But like, you know, and you kind of link to related but separate thoughts there. So I just want to do them one at a yeah. time in terms of the kind of like I, I think what you were kind of saying is like the, the bigotry of the Chinese, the, the, the negative feelings of the Chinese towards white people or Americans, especially, which I think you were calling bigotry is like it's not the same as the 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 uh, structural and institutional and powerful racism of the Americans, but like both are problematic. And I think, yeah, I think I, w- I would agree with that. I think that that it, it's it's kind of showing how they're both in a cycle now. And I I think it is showing that like the Amer- I'm much more sympathetic to the Chinese. And I yeah. think as I understand the terms, yeah, I would say that the Americans are being racist and the Chinese have bigotry. Um, and like you know, th- 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 there's a distinct difference. But like you said, we can debate the semantics of that. But I, but I think I think the movie did a good job of showing that and of showing mm-hmm. like, yeah, the some of the, the the Chinese don't have the. But also, you can also understand why it is. You know, it's like yeah. the when when you're very rarely gonna have positive feelings about your oppressor. You know, and especially with the like, um, th- this is a time I think, and this doesn't go into it as much, but I think certainly other things have. You know. For any immigrant group that comes to America with all this mythology about, like, this is the land of immigrants and everyone can be someone here. And then you get there and it's like, oh, OK, wait, no, you're 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 not the desirable people. We're going to treat you like that. But but that's not you're right. It's like I understand exactly where mass. I, I don't think I can possibly justify the feelings of the white people as like just we hate Asians. I can understand and and validate to some extent where Master Wan's feelings come from, even if I'm like. Yeah, but that's not really helpful, you know? Um, yeah. Especially in that, like, when you have that kind of attitude of, like, daughter, you live amongst these people, but you cannot learn their ways. You cannot be a cheerleader. You have to be, um, you know, only do our thing. There's pretty much no faster way to guarantee she will become a cheerleader. <laughs> like, right, right, yeah. Well, that's just that? how multi-generational stuff works. Like, <laughs> um, but I, to the other part, oh, go ahead. I do want to say that I think, like, however you want to term racism versus bigotry mm-hmm. or whatever, I do think that Master Wan is someone with a large amount of power. And yeah, it's that it's important to acknowledge that, like, you know, 
China is a country with five times the population of the United States and about 20 times the length of history, you know, so that, you know, I mean, I think people look at America's power on the global stage over the last century or so and see Mm -hmm. it as like this sort of singularity in some ways. But it's like, you know, anti-European racism, like it can be termed racism by, you know, by Chinese, you know, like that's a thing, I think. Um, I do think that Master Wan is in the United States. He's Chinese American. And, you know, certainly he has a lot less power, right, than like the right. gunnery sergeant who's like, I'm just going to arrest this guy on absolutely no, like, how, how's, how's he getting remanded to the U.S. Marine Corps? Like that, I think, is the, the sort of where there's this massive structural you know, power imbalance. Um, but it's not like Master Wan's just like some random dude who like doesn't yeah. have any power. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think that's true. I think you're also right. Like, like I to me, it's not even about America. It's that I think like white supremacy is, I think, like a dominant force in the world today, not just American and goes back to before the founding of America. But yeah, certainly there have been racism is like like. That, that's a much other, older yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a whole, that's a whole thing that's a whole thing as to the cultural appropriation part though I, I think I'm mostly with you I, I, I would differ a little bit and I think it's important in how it's shown in the movie um, like to me I, I think like I think there's a lot of terms where I would mostly agree with it but where you know on the internet when people are making 20 second mm. tiktok video 30 second tiktok videos and and 240 character tweets a lot of these terms are going to lose their nuance and and start coming out in dumb ways and and start getting taken to extremes i don't necessarily agree with i i think i agree with you that there's a huge difference between i'm going to take this thing versus i have been taught this thing by someone who is voluntarily sharing their culture I do, though, think the question, and and, and I would also even a third thing of something. Oh, let me back that up. But to me, I think the important distinction is if you if you were taught the thing voluntarily, and now you are profiting from the thing, are you acknowledging the history and the culture of the thing? You know, are you, you know, paying homage to you know understanding like who you who was who taught this to you? Particularly in a world in which it's very possible that it's going to be easier for you to profit off of it than someone else, you know? And, like, I think this happens in a lot of situations, like, you know, Elvis being the best example. Like, I don't mm. think Elvis wanted to steal, you know, he, he, he loved, he grew up around black musicians. He loved that world. He wanted to honor that world. Uh, it was also just kind of a drugged out idiot, wasn't thinking about this stuff much. But the people around him knew that people would buy albums of him doing the things that they'd never buy Mama Thornton or any of those people doing. And yeah. so I think that's also kind of the part is like, you know, and that's what I think like what the Americans are doing. They're they're profiting off. Of, certainly I actually would say, you know, Crease is profiting off of this mm-hmm. without paying any sort of regard to to where this comes from and claiming it as American and stuff like that. Um, but you're right. I do think that like I think cultural cultural appropriation is one of those terms that can get thrown around very easily and without really actually thinking about what it means. And I do think, as you said, the like the distinction of taking something versus being respectfully voluntarily taught it is an important one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the difference between taking and like accepting, you know. Right. Um, And I 
I certainly understand that like something might be easier for one person to profit from than another, and that's you know the world's messed up place. You know, right? Um, but I, I do think when people start pointing fingers and being like, "Oh, you're not supposed to." teach this or you're not supposed to learn this or dress this way or whatever because you were born here or you look like this or whatever like i i i just have no patience for that i i understand like Mm -hmm. the feelings and i am sympathetic but in terms of like i don't know i just i people telling other people what to do like that isn't like something direct against someone else like mm-hmm. i'm just not here for that um I, I mean again i think that's where, this, like, it, yeah that's the thing of like the nuance getting lost because i think like most of the arguments aren't like you shouldn't do that it's like hey you should understand that you doing that without acknowledging the history or in ways that are maybe like recently there was a creator who who kind of got a lot of attention because she was teaching christian yoga and she was teaching it in a way that she felt like you know non-christians would would not be welcome at and so a number of South Asians have been like, yoga comes out of Hinduism. And, like, you don't have to be Hindu to, like, you know, teach it. But, like, claiming it for this other religion is kind of problematic. Um, and, and, and you know, might Yoga is actually, like, way more complicated than that. And there's, like, a whole thing. A lot of yoga comes out of Hinduism. But, like, also a lot of the poses come out of, like, Danish exercises like it's mm-hmm. it's actually really complex like they're like let's not go too deep into that but like yeah I, I hear I, you you know yeah I, and, and, and but also I think that's at the end where my point is is that for me I think I, I get where your frustration comes from for me as someone who has never had to worry about my culture being appropriated in that same kind of way like I joke about like you know pineapple on pizza is like cultural appropriation of New Yorkers but I'm joking like I you know <laughs> the look on Paul's face. I think he's like, "Oh, I do believe in cultural appreciation now." Um, no, no, no. That, that, I, I just, I, I, I think we've gone down a dark, dark road. Okay. Yeah, exactly. My my point is, I'm not someone who's ever had to worry about that, and so I I, I tend to be more on the like, I'm going to listen to the people whose cultures this is happening to, and and kind of take their word for it. But I also understand where you're coming from. But I but I also would say that like to me the level of my point with those videos was she wasn't saying like flatly don't do this. It mm. was like, hey, the you doing this in a way that cuts it off from any kind of reference to the history and the cultures that it comes out of is problematic. But then I think that's going to be very easily taken. Yeah, that, that can easily get translated into the tweets and the shorter videos that are like she shouldn't do it. You know, right, right. Um, yeah, and, and that maybe is a bad example because honestly, I think she shouldn't do that. But that's also my feelings about like fundamentalist Christianity of any kind. Yeah, I mean, um, like I'm, I, I don't know how much I agree with all of it, but like yeah. also like doing anything where people don't feel welcome, like I did, not yeah. not generally a fan. Yeah, you that's know? fair. That's fair. Um, all right. Well, I think we've covered kind of a lot of things we wanted to get into. We have a last conversation about um, what what Paul referred to as the Ipman Karate Kid shared universe, because there is actually a lot of similarities and some actual like looks like call outs and stuff. So we'll get right back to that after this quick ad break. All right. Welcome back. So, Paul, what is the Ipman Karate Kid shared universe? Fix your base, recruit. You have no power, Mr. Kreese, is a line about one hour in in Ipmon 4. And this takes place in 1964, roughly when um, 
Mr. Crease would have been in, you know, the Marines learning. Wait, he actually says Mr. Crease? He says Mr. Crease. Oh, oh you that's didn't? hilarious. I to- that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, it's like there's a cup. Okay, so one hour in, they've already kind of um, um, the staff sergeant, Staff Sergeant Hartman, has introduced the Wing Chun um, train dummy, dummy, right? And mm-hmm. then um, the gunnery sergeant has set it on fire because that's the kind of guy he is. And after having his fourth degree black belt beat up on this guy who's been training a few months in mm-hmm. in kung fu um and then they cut to another scene and then they come back to the the hangar wherever they're training and it's it's a wide shot and you see you know there's there's a couple of of people doing karate on the mat and there's someone shouting and he says fix your base recruit you have no power mr crease and it's clearly a That's reference fantastic. to you know to the the Karate Kid and and Cobra mm-hmm. Kai and Mr. Crease, who's who, you know who was Johnny's teacher, is the you know the chief show no mercy guy. Um, and I think the time doesn't quite work out because I uh, since they did like the the sort of flashback in the beginning of right. season four or whatever, but it's close enough to working out. It's clearly the idea is like yeah, this takes place in the same world. Like why not? You know, that's fantastic. Um, I just I thought that. it was really enjoyable. Yeah, that's really fun. And certainly I think, as we've said, like just now that I was looking for it, the number of similarities that I saw were just really strong in terms of like the rivalries involved and this whole idea of like schools battling against schools. Like it's just there's really similar themes between both of these. Yeah. And Miyagi-Do is, I believe, supposed to be, you know, um, it's an Okinawan style, right? Right. Um, Which is a specific part of Japan or um, an island and cultural area that Japan colonized, right? Um, So that's where Miyagi-Do comes from, and I think it's supposed to be kind of like um, Goju-Ryu karate, and it's like it's this more circular flowing style, right? It's more defensive. Mm-hmm. It's it's a soft style compared to like the hard northern styles. And here, you know, uh, Shotokan or Kyokushin or here they call it Kyokutan. Um, I'm curious whether that has some literal meaning in Japanese. Uh, I certainly don't know enough to know or whether it's an actual style. Actually, you know what? It is a style. I Googled it. There's a school title yeah. called Kyokutan Karate. So, um, nice. so it's, it's a thing. I, I didn't get that deep into it in terms of researching it but um the point is i believe that's a um a hard style right and that's analogous to first of all the the karate in um itman the first movie um but also the northern style right that um the guy who looks like Carl Urban, a gin, I think, um, yeah. comes down and and does from the north. He says, says "I'm going to bring my exactly," style and like he's too. speaking Mandarin, and you know, um, and so it is I, this sort of hard versus soft, north versus south. I forget where, where is it that Ipmon is at the start of the movie. Is it? I think it's inland, right? It's Foshan, like, like Foshan. Fo- okay, yeah, um, it, he's. I mean, it's. I wouldn't call it inland, but mainland. He's in mainland, um, right. in the you know the, the Guangdong but province, the, the south, the south part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in southern, sort of south eastern China. Um, okay, which is where you know, which is where Cantonese is is spoken, um, mm-hmm. and that's why you know he's speaking Cantonese. And then he moves at the end of the first movie to Hong Kong. 
And in reality, the actual Ipmon, I think, moved to Hong Kong to more running away from the um, Chinese, Chinese Communist, Communist Party because yeah. I think he was a was a Republican or I mean, what he was. Yeah, he, he supported the Republic of China. Yeah. And not the um, and, and and but he didn't go to Taiwan. He went to you know, right, Hong Kong. Exactly, yeah, Hong Kong. Which was, I guess, Hong Kong wasn't even part of China then, right? It was it was under British control. Yeah, it was and under that British was a whole control, thing. But it was it was where you couldn't like the Chinese because I think there was something about like the Chinese communists wanted to use him as part of like propaganda or something like that. Right, right. Um, um, and and yeah, the, this movie being made in partnership with with China. Uh, was did not mention that, which is right. understandable. But it's also a Hong Kong production, right? So it's right. like I, I don't know all of the um, subtleties there, but the, right. but there's you know there's obviously forces at 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 play here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, all right. Well, that, this has been a great conversation, Paul. Thank you so much for suggesting this topic. Um, as people heard, like you're now doing the stream. Uh, why don't you actually talk more about like your streaming schedule and kind of what you're doing with your streaming? Cool. Yeah, we are doing this, or I'm streaming every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Most of those Wednesdays is going to be the two of us and perhaps some other guests. Um, and so I guess I'm hosting you. You're my guest on my stream, and I'm the guest on your podcast. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> neither one of us is a co-host of anything. Exactly. No co-hosts. Um, and I would like to think that my Stranger Things performance proves that I'm not a host. I'm just someone who sits around <laughs> and talks about things. I thought you did just hopes, fine. It, 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 yes, just fine. I was aiming for just fine. It was definitely <laughs> a great conversation, but I, I would credit um, uh, my two co-guests on that one as being a big part of that. Um, but yeah, I and think you that was a, a lot of fun. very good job moving it along, but I, keep, go on. Go right, on. yeah, yeah. I wasn't so much with the moving it along. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been practicing Master of Puppets lately. Uh, maybe I'll play guitar on stream someday, but mostly we're going to be you know talking about various shows and, and movies uh we're gonna cover andor right um mm -hmm. and if i ever hate an episode i will just be the producer and i will host your podcast on my platform right um Definitely. just like in case because like i i don't know i i just don't really want to cover things that i really don't like and i mean yeah, you know cobra kai I don't love everything about it, but like I feel like it's something that is easy to kind of cover a little uh, more mm -hmm. gently, right? Yeah. Um, was I, I was talking about a schedule. Wednesdays and Sundays at 5 p.m. <laughs> Pacific. Uh, here on Wednesdays is going to be this kind of podcasting, and if if you're not available, then I'm going to just kind of like talk about some stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, on Sundays, I think I'm going to be doing chess, and I might start with kind of more beginner type stuff, and then I'll do kind of um, studying more. If, if you're with us right now on the live stream, happy International Chess Day. Um, oh, there was actually a chess tidbit that I wanted to share in a moment. But um, uh, it doesn't have to go on the podcast. It'll go on the post-podcast bit. Uh, so you have to tune into the Twitch stream to catch all the little details. Um, and then I think Fridays and Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, I'm going to be doing poker, which will be some combination of kind of hardcore poker study. And maybe we'll do some um, more like beginner content. Maybe Tuesday will be like a beginner thing and Friday. Will be like more advanced. Uh, the role of the like maybe 105 level, not 101 level, but the role of the uh, le still learning beginner will often be played by yours truly. So I we'll, feel like we'll... you're a 201 player. I think. Okay. I think I 101 is all, or even 105. Honestly, I don't really know what all these numbers mean, but like I think it's got to start with a two. I think you. I, I think that's fair. I. I, I, I 
I've made my own style. Like I, I am an overall winning player over the last like ten years or so. But I, I have a lot. I want to learn the basics again. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Cool. But anyway, folks. Yeah. As Paul just said, there's a lot of stuff happening on the podcast here. A lot of other great episodes you can check out of Superhero Ethics. Also, all the episodes of the. Uh, Star Wars Universe podcast that I do. Uh, we're going to be doing Andor. Right now we're back to our episode-by-episode episode coverage of Rebels. We did episode-by-episode episode coverage of Kenobi. Um, I've also got some great guests lined up. Great things happening on both of those podcasts. Also occasionally do some stuff with Marvel Movie Minute or Pandavision. Other great things like that. And most importantly, though, we love feedback. We want to know what you think. What do you think about all these questions we raised? Are you a huge fan of Cobra Kai Season 4 and want to tell us all the great parts we missed? Are you? Do you, do you actually think that some of the uh, things that... Some of the English dialogues we said was maybe a little over the top. Uh, it's funny. I don't know if this is intentional, but I feel like I learned an important lesson in terms of, like why it is when like Americans make movies that show non-Americans in very over-the-top kind of ridiculous ways why it bothers people. Like I always intellectually understood why it would bother them but watching it in this I was like It's a little uncomfortable. It's just a little uncomfortable. I I hope you're kind of doing that intentionally as a like you know now 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 you're now your actors are saying our words and we're gonna have some fun with it. Um, But anyway yeah it's a lot of stuff going on there. Give us your feedback. You go to theethicalpanda.com. There you're going to find all of our different ways to, to talk to us. Email, Twitter, uh, Facebook, TikTok. I love talking to you all. I love getting your comments and thoughts. And we'll often read them on the air as part of our episodes. So on behalf of myself, Paul, thank you all so much. Be good fans to each other. Bye-bye. Bye.